public scripture reading, which is Psalm 38. Psalm 38 is one of the seven of its confession of sin. But mingled with the confession is an agonizing cry to God for his mercy, since David, the human author of this psalm, is facing multiple trials from illness to isolation to the plotting of his enemies to destroy him. In these first eight verses of Psalm 38, we see David's overt burden is both inward and outward. He suffers mentally and bodily due to the guilt of his sin and the Lord's chastening David because of it. Two principal lessons that we want to take away from these first eight verses. In the first place, while David doesn't deny that he deserves to be disciplined by the Lord, yet he's asking God to temper his discipline with mercy. We see this implied in verse 1 by the fact that the terms in your anger and in your wrath are in the emphatic position. David knows what he deserves, God's righteous anger and wrath, but he is pleading with God for mercy instead. This is reminiscent of the prayer of Habakkuk. In Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse 2, where that old prophet said unto the Lord, In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. We're not demanding God to give us what we might think we're entitled to, but we're crying out to God, In spite of what I know I deserve, Lord, grant me your mercy instead. This is what we see David doing in the first two verses of Psalm 38. The second takeaway in these first eight verses is that David recognizes, however that his physical suffering is judicial and not merely natural. He recognizes that his physical suffering is judicial and not not merely natural. Three times David employs the term because of as it relates to his physical illness. In verse 3, because of your indignation because of my sin and then in verse 5 because of my foolishness in this case in this particular instance David's physical sickness was God's instrument of discipline in David's life Indeed, look look at it again. Verse 3, there is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. So in this case, in this context, in this instance, David's sickness 
was God's instrument of discipline in David's life. Now, let me make a very important qualifying remark. Really important. This doesn't mean that all sickness we endure is the Lord's discipline over our sin. Now that we need to be very clear about. Very clear. For example, this was certainly not the case with Job. Why do you think we have in the first chapter of Job this elaborate testimony of how righteous, how blameless, how godly Job was? Job was a godly man. Job did not have some secret sinful problem in his life as his so-called friends were accusing him of. Remember? His friends completely misjudged his suffering as due to some secret sin in his life. And when you get to the very end of Job, you see the Lord rebuking his three so-called friends because they had completely misjudged the situation. Job was not being disciplined because of sin. He was not suffering the calamity he suffered, the awful physical calamity he suffered because of some secret sin. That was not the case. Take another instance in the New Testament. You remember in John chapter 9 and verse 3, the man born blind? Remember that? In fact, turning to that, this is interesting because it just ties directly in with what we're looking at here. In John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3, we read this. As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? That is the natural default. That is where we always go. Who sinned? Who sinned, they asked. This man or his parents, that he was born blind. Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. His blindness was not because of sin. It was not because of sin. And so these two examples out of both the Old and New Testaments are teaching us and they're clarifying to us that not all physical illness, not all physical calamity that we endure is because of the Lord's indignation upon us, His disciplining us due to some sin we have committed. So we need to be very clear about that. But having made that clarification... While not all sickness or some great calamity we face is the result of our sin, yet, yet, there may be such a season like David when it is. How might we discover that? Well, I don't often do this for the expository readings, but I brought someone to help me, James Montgomery Boyce, in his wonderful commentary 
on Psalm 38. And he raises this very question. And he gives three wonderful pastoral questions that all Christians should be asking when they face great physical calamity, suffering, sickness, etc. James Boyce says, I su- <clears throat> he says, I suggest the following when we undergo some great calamity or sickness. Here's the first question. Have I sinned or gotten off the track of obedience to what I know I should be doing? And is this setback God's way of getting me back on track and into fellowship with him? James Boyce says, I do not think we need to be too introspective in the way we ask this question. We certainly do not need to be morbid in digging up a catalog of past failures, which we can then exaggerate in our confessions. If God is using sickness to stop us short and bring us back to him, he will make clear that this is what he is doing. Otherwise, it would be a futile exercise. If God is doing this with you, you will know it just as David did. Second question, is God using this to trim off some rough edges of my personality and develop a more Christ-like character in me? And commenting on this, James Boyce says, we may not like hard times, but they do produce character. If nothing else, God may be developing a sensitivity in us to others who are going through similar times of suffering. So we will be able to help them. And then the last question that he raises that we should be asking ourselves in such a time and season is this. Is God using my suffering as a stage upon which his name and wisdom may be glorified? Is it a place for me to show that I love him for who he is entirely apart from whatever material and physical benefits he may have given me? And Boyce says... This is the hardest of God's purposes for us to see and accept. It is why Job is such an outstanding Old Testament example in his suffering. Still, there should be an element of this in anything we suffer simply because we are told to glorify God in everything we do, suffering included. And then he says this theme is also in Psalm 38. So... When looking at these first eight verses of Psalm 38, there is much here for us to learn, much here for us to take away for our own personal walk with God, for our own Christian life. But certainly, certainly, the biggest takeaway is this. When you are suffering great sickness, physical calamity do not do what I see many Christians do and it's because of the influence of the world because with with all physical sickness the world just chalks it up to these purely natural causes and the solution is a natural solution so we go to the doctor we you know get medicine and so forth and so on And God is nowhere in the picture. Nowhere. Now, we're not surprised the world thinks like that. But what should be surprising is that Christians think like that. Christians should not think like that. 
Because we know that under the providence of God, this illness and calamity has come to my doorstep. God is visiting me with this, but why? Why? We need to be asking the Lord such questions like the ones that James Montgomery Boyce has given us as examples. Certainly, if anything, when we do face physical suffering, it should drive us to our knees as the people of God. It should cause us to call out to the Lord, to cry out to Him and plead for His mercy. Even if it is not due to some personal sin that, like David, I've committed, I have in my life, and the Lord is wanting to deal with me about this. But we need to have the mindset of David, which is the biblical mindset. My, my thoughts are going to first turn to the Lord and try to understand what the Lord is doing, then first turning to what doctor can I call? Because I dare say that is where a lot of Christians seem to go first, and God is somehow an afterthought. Oh, yes, I do need people to pray for me. Will you pray for me, please? But the focus and the obsession is, but I want to know what the doctor says. And don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. But what I am saying is you better be going to the Lord first and continue going to him through the whole process, even if you do go to the doctor. Lord, why are you visiting me with this affliction? Trust the Lord to open your eyes and understand why. Let's pray. Our Holy Father, everything we face, Lord, everything we experience in all of life, we know comes from your hand to us because you are the first cause of everything that comes to pass in our lives. Your word tells us this. Your word reveals this to us. Your sovereignty is absolute. Your purpose is eternal, unchanging, and it is being unfolded in time, in history, in our lives personally. And therefore, Lord, we know that there is nothing that happens to us by chance there's nothing that happens to us by blind fate. But everything that comes to pass in our lives, your word makes it so crystal clear. It is all in accord with what you have preordained. And we thank you, Holy Father, for this. We thank you for the knowledge of this, though we do not have the complete understanding of it because we, we struggle, Father, as you know, to understand what it is you are doing in our lives. And certainly 
in the immediate circumstances your providence is so difficult to read. But even in those moments, Lord, where we don't have your answer as of yet, we know who you are. And therefore, we can trust you with all our heart in every trial, in every season. And cast all our anxieties on you. Because you do care for us. And so, Lord, we pray that you will give us the grace today, work in us the grace today, to be like David, your servant, to follow his example of faith, because where did he go in such an horrific trial that he was facing? Indeed, trials in the plural, he went to you, and he made his pleas before you. And thus we pray, Holy Father, that you will increase our faith to that end, that our first thought will be in whatever calamity we encounter, Lord, what would you have me to understand in this? Why have you chosen to visit me in such a time? Father, we plead in earnest with you for the sake of Christ, for such faith, and wisdom and we trust in you for such sanctification especially in these seasons of trial when we need it most these things we pray for the sake of Christ our Lord in his name Amen